In my high school yearbook, my superlative was most dramatic female, which in retrospect is kind of rude, but it's because growing up, I was just that obnoxious drama kid, always rehearsing lines and sappy monologues. Oh yeah, definitely. You took it seriously. You were upstairs in your room practicing. (laughs) You loved it. That's my mom, who endured a lot of after-school rehearsals. My first big break was Peter Pan in sixth grade, which I took very seriously. And then in high school, I went all out as Rizzo in Greece. Yeah, I remember you singing, which wasn't Mm. your strongest. (laughs) Wow. I mean, she's not wrong. But that didn't make me any less committed to my budding career as an actress. I remember constantly Googling the phrase North Carolina acting agent or trying to become an extra on Dawson's Creek, which was filmed just a few hours from where we lived. But my mom, she was skeptical. Why do you think you didn't want me to do it? Like, seriously. I don't know. It's a long road. It's a hard road. And yeah. Uh, well, you have to pay money to get even, you know, to take your pictures, all of that. And we thought it was kind of, could be a scam. Would, do you know what a momager is? I'm guessing, I'm guessing a mom who manages their kids' carry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would, would you have ever wanted to do that? No. Nope. That's not me. So, as much as I lobbied for it, my mom did not groom me into a child star. Even though I'm sure I would have killed it on Dawson's Creek. I'm Rima Hreis, and welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a podcast from Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. So today on the show, we are talking about momagers. The moms who, unlike mine, decide to drop everything to manage their kids' careers and make some money while they're at it. There are the classic modern-day momager examples, like Lindsay Lohan's mom, or the ones you see on reality shows like toddlers and tiaras or dance moms. But really, there's no better case study of the ultimate momager than Kris Jenner. I'm important. I've helped build this business with Kylie, and I'm older. I'm the mom. I deserve a little bit of respect. Chris is the matriarch of the Kardashian clan and has been managing them since day one. She popularized the term momager, combo of mom and manager, and then eventually trademarked it so she could use it for branding. Would you call yourself a Kardashian expert? I would. That's Zan Romanoff. She recently wrote for BuzzFeed about how Kris Jenner turned stage momming into a multi-million dollar business. So I'm not like the biggest Kardashian consumer, but... Just by being a human on this planet, I know so much about them, and they fascinate me. Today, between the Kardashian kids, you've got successful beauty lines, a clothing company, a lifestyle brand, and the world's highest-paid model. The family's net worth is insane, and Chris gets a 10% cut of everything. And she's, like, open about getting 10%? Oh, absolutely. 
two or three years ago, Kylie Cosmetics did a Mother's Day collection called the Momager Collection. And it's, uh, <laughs> and literally, like, the logo for it is a, a drawing of Chris, and she's wearing sunglasses, and in the lenses of her sunglasses, it says 10%. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. No, this is like a, fa- a this thing. Is like 100% part of their explicit branding is like, Chris manages us and she takes money from us. <laughs> As weird as Chris's 10% might feel to a lot of us, there is, in a weird way, an argument for that 10%. It's like, I have a job, I'm taking my 10%, that's all I'm taking, you know, and the rest of it is yours to do what you want with. It's a rate you'd pay any manager, but when family's involved, the lines get blurred. Like, you start questioning whether momagers are pushing their kids because it's good for their kids' careers or for their bottom line. Really, Momager is just a glorified name for a stage mom, which is a phenomenon that has been around since the beginning of showbiz. Yeah. You know, there's not a clear delineation of when it first came to be a term, but certainly seems to have been around about as long as American popular culture. You know, as uh, there were moms putting their kids on, like, vaudeville, you know, in vaudeville shows. Mm. And it's interesting to think about how different women working was at that time. The height of the vaudeville era was in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Back then, less than 10% of American women were actually in the workforce, mostly as teachers, maids, or factory workers. There were few options for them, so having a talented kid and helping them land gigs was a rare chance for women to make a living. And stage moms, they got this reputation for being very extra. Don't you dare laugh. That child is going to be a star. That's a clip from the movie Gypsy, starring Bette Midler, who plays, you know, just a cool, chill mom. How dare you let that rotten, untalented, fat balloon block up my babies? I won't leave the stage until she does. The movie is about the famous vaudeville stripper Gypsy Rose Lee and her mom, who actually forged her children's birth certificates to evade child labor laws. Throughout history, there are lots of examples of moms exploiting their kids. You know, one of the big easy examples is Ethel Gum, who was Judy Garland's mom, who got her daughter, like, started on taking pills to keep her energy up and her weight down when she was mm. a you know, young adolescent in her early teens before her studio ever did any of that. There have also been several cases, of course, of parents mismanaging or straight up embezzling their child's money. The biggest case was back in the 1920s. Jackie Coogan was this child star who earned millions. And then on his 21st birthday, as his career was dying down, he found out that his parents had spent pretty much all of his money. So he ended up suing them, which led to a law that's still in effect today. It says 15% of any earnings has to go directly to the child's account. So, yeah, stage moms have a bad reputation. But of course, they're not all ill-intentioned. A lot of times they felt like they had to take on this role. There's no question Mm. that um, sometimes women ended up trying to have their children work because if the men in their life had abandoned them, you know, if they didn't have a husband or a father to take care of them, it was like, well, someone has to work. It's really hard for me to get a good paying job, like a way that I can make money for my family. You know, maybe if my kid's a star, then we'll be able to eat. Mm. I'm not trying to, you know, it's not a good thing. Having kids work, I'm not like pro that. Yeah. <laughs> to be um, clear. Yeah, I'm to not be clear, not pro child not pro child labor. Yeah. But it is interesting to look back on it and sort of see that I do think some of the sort of real antipathy that we have towards the idea of a stage mom comes from this from just like deeply rooted sexism. The term stage mom is an absolute cultural byword for like monster woman. 
Even though women today have a lot more work opportunities than they used to, there are still more stage moms than stage dads out there. Zan interviewed a lot of women who became the designated stage parent, partly because of the gender pay gap. Their husbands were making more and had steady paychecks, so it fell to the moms to drop out of the workforce and haul their kids around to auditions as their nine to five. The sort of like sexist forces that structure the workforce to this day also affect the fact that we still have stage moms. Mm. And then anything women do, right, there's someone's going to be like, ugh, women shouldn't do that. <laughs> and I think that also, you're right, it puts women who want this kind of work in a weird economic bind where like, we expect them to let go of career potential, but when they find ways to monetize it, we villainize them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and it's just there's like no there's no winning. It, mm. Like it, it, yeah, it feels like a way out, but it just sort of like traps you further. After the break, one momager gets real with me. So after talking with Zan, I wanted to hear what it's like to be a momager who isn't Chris Jenner. And poking online, I found this one woman named Danielle Schaefer. Danielle has four kids who are all under 12. And at one point or another, she's managed their careers as budding models and actors. I emailed her, and within an hour, she told me she can make some time. Hello? Hello, is this Danielle? Yes, this is she. Hi, Danielle. This is Rima from Marketplace. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? I am good. Are you free to talk right now? I can talk. I'm on um, the elliptical, so we can talk. (laughs) Are you working out right now? Yes, of course. I have four kids, so I try to squeeze it in when I can. I saw your email. I was like, oh, my God, I'm sitting here complaining for the past hour about Hollywood and going to this Disney audition. And and I was like, great, she'll call me and I'll tell her how I'm about to quit. (laughs) You're about to quit being a momager? (laughs) No, I mean, I would like to, but um, it's just a lot. Danielle says becoming a momager all kind of happened by accident. I have really, really good-looking children. <laughs> they're just, they're, they just are. They're just like, they're a mix. They're, my husband is Japanese um, and German, and I'm mm-hmm. Italian. So the, they're just really beautiful children. And I've been told that by other people, so I don't have that bias. <laughs> okay, so how did it all start exactly? We got a first taste of it when we lived in North Carolina at Screen Gem Studios. Wait, and my I child, grew up in North Carolina. Yeah. You're kidding. Yeah. We, we lived there. Oh, really? For six years. Yeah, six years, three months, two hours and ten minutes. <laughs> you were counting there. it. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted to get out of there. Danielle says one day she saw a Facebook ad asking for child actors, and the descriptions perfectly matched her three-year-old daughter and her four-year-old son. So she sent some headshots, and they got the roles. They ended up making an appearance in the Nicholas Sparks movie Safe Haven, and she says they loved it. Eventually, the family moved to California, and she started signing her kids up for a bunch of auditions and sending their pictures to casting agents. She also created her own social media presence, featuring her kids in sponsored content. Over the last several years, her kids have made tens of thousands of dollars, mostly appearing in catalogs and on local commercials. She says any money they make at those gigs goes straight into her children's accounts, so they can buy a car later in life or use it for college. I just deposited a check today. Really? (laughs) The baby did a modeling gig. Oh my God, how old is the baby? Uh, Well, I call him the baby, um, but he's not the baby. He's three. He's three. Yeah. 
listen, everyone's working in my house, even the dogs. Okay. <laughs> How are the dogs working? You're a sponsor too. So I'm, I'm a, a digital strategist and my dog, I was approached by a dog company. They wanted to know if they could sponsor my dogs. Oh my God. I was like, I'm not kidding you. And <laughs> that was like five, you know, five figures. So what for the dog. Yeah. Danielle says she's juggling managing her kids and her dog's careers with her full-time job as a digital strategist. She has her own brand called City Girl Gone Mom. She says that her kids get headshots every six months, as well as the occasional acting classes and coaching. Would you consider yourself a momager? I, I think the word, there's a stigma with that word, so I don't like the word. I wish, because I feel like... I'm more of a bridge mm. that is leading my child from one end of his world to where he wants to go instead of dictating where he needs to be. I'm, I don't think I'm your normal momager, though. I'm, we, we care about more about the experience. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing is, are you having fun? Because at one point, my daughter, when we were on the train going for some Cadillac commercial, she cried and was like, I don't want to do this. And that's when I was like, oh, okay, we're not going to do this anymore for you. And that was it. And that was our last audition for her because I just, you know, you have just you really have to listen. As gorgeous as I think she is and how how successful she could possibly be, it's not for her. Mm -hmm. Not for her. But she says it is for her oldest son, Jackson. He loves acting. In fact, after she gets off the elliptical, she's going to pick him up early from school and drive him to Los Angeles for an audition with Disney. Even though she's really exhausted and debated not going, she says her son really wanted to go. Wherever these children want to go, I'm going to be the person to take them there because I didn't have that growing up. My parents were drug addicts and my mom, you know, I was raised Mm. by my grandmother who can only do so much. So for me, it's just I'm like a little over the top, like I'll do (laughs) anything for them, anything. I'll go anywhere. I'll go the distance. Danielle had her own ambitions to make it in the industry, but money was always tight and she didn't get support. So she never really gave it a shot. But she says it'll be different for her kids. I'll do anything for them. I mean, unless they if they want to go to the moon, they're on their own. (laughs) <laughs> but otherwise, you're there for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, good luck on the audition today. Yeah. Um, I hope okay. he gets it. <laughs> yeah, that would be really cool. Okay. Nice talking nice to you. Nice talking we'll to talk you, too. Soon. Yeah, talk to you later. All right. Bye. 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 Talking to Danielle, it reminded me of a point Zan, the writer I talked to earlier, made in her piece about momagers. At a time when everything is about personal branding and parents are posting every second of their children's lives online, the rise of momagers seems only natural. But the thing is, there's no guarantee that being your child's business partner won't complicate your role as a mom, or that there'll be a clear path to success, even if that's the fantasy we've been sold by the Kardashians. This is Uncomfortable is produced by me, Rima Jerez, Haley Hirschman, and Peter Balanon-Rosen. Megan Dietrich is our senior producer. Drew Jostad is our audio engineer. Editing by Sarah Kramer. Tony Wagner is our digital producer. Una Danish is our intern. Satara Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. 
And Deborah Clark is the Senior Vice President and General Manager of Marketplace. And our theme music is by Wonderly. All right, catch y'all next week. Won't go to bed till I'm legally wet. <laughs> I can't. I'm Sandrady. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that really, is it really recording? <laughs> John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcast.